This is Dan Gore. Welcome to the Icons Podcast. For more than 30 years, I've been involved in the art of female impersonations and celebrity impersonations. I've worked with some of the most amazing performers in our history. I've traveled around the world, producing and directing shows for corporate events, casting for TV and movies. But most impressive of all is getting to know some of the most amazing people ever to grace our industry. Best known to many as the art of drag. I've worked with and become friends with some of history's finest that have paved the way for many of today's current and upcoming performers. This is our chance to learn more about our drag history. This is Icons, Incredible Creations on Stage podcast. All right, welcome. This is Dan Gore with Icons Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce you all to one of my dear good Judies, as I call her. We call each other performer, legendary performer from originally from Portland, which you'll hear about that more. But uh, I'm so happy to welcome my good, good friend, an amazing performer, Miss LaWanda Jackson. Hello, Mr. Gore. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this with me and spending this hour with me to talk about LaWanda and your career. I am overjoyed. Trust me. I am. I'm overjoyed and honored. <laughs> LaWanda and I go way back and uh, you're going to enjoy this talk we have this next hour with her and I appreciate you all being here. So LaWanda, you know, not many of you guys know most of the stuff I do since COVID, we do this over the internet, but LaWanda actually happens to be here with me in person at Oscars in our little studio that Eddie's uh, done for us here. So welcome to Oscars. She just finished a lovely brunch here. Uh, I am stuffed and I, I have six of my friends out on the terrace eat, still eating and drinking so it's going to be a good time <laughs> so Luana was I right you were originally from Portland originally from Portland Oregon originally okay. mm-hmm. and you grew up there how how many years did you stay there before you flew the coop uh, Portland I would say till I was 18 and was drag part of your upbringing or when did the whole drag thing was entertainment like in your in your eye line when you were growing up not at all I thought I would be a, a dancer or maybe a, a singer I thought. So you thought, so you had this aspiration to be some sort of performer or something. And my and my uncle was uh, my uncle was gay. A guy was so my uncle Mikey. They used to do um, house drag shows in their people's apartments because it was so you know hush hush. And I would and watch. How old were you then when I you was, first um, saw this a man in drag? Thir- Thirteen. <laughs> okay, so you were you'd been around already. Mm-hmm. Had you seen anyone on TV before you saw your uncle in drag? I saw um, Charles Pierce. Okay, and was, like in a film or on I, talk on, show or on on, in, on a, in a movie. And you knew instantly it was a man, or were you just attracted to like his type of style that he was doing? I, I was attracted to the the uh, the whim, whimsicalness of his antics. On I said, Grandma. She said, Oh, you know, there's a guy. I said, Grandma, really? He was like fabulous on stage on telev in television. His persona was so captivating. I said, Wow. You know, it's so funny. You know, I, I've done. Do, I want to say dozens, not dozens, but I've done more than a dozen of these podcasts so far. And the one person everyone always brings up when we talk about drag is they always bring up Charles Pierce. So he, you know, God rest his soul now, but I mean, the mark he left for so many endearing and up and coming performers is really legendary. It's always Charles Pierce and it's always Jim Bailey. It was Charles Pierce and Flip Wilson for me. Now Flip Wilson, wow, that's a whole different type of drag because he was doing like this. Campy. Campy. Yeah, and like he, I love that Flip Wilson type. I'm so glad you brought that up because this 
completely different type of entertainment because he's like looked nothing like a woman, but he surely sold as he, his act was clearly as if he believed he was a woman, which made you believe he was a woman, even though he just had a wig on. <laughs> a, wig, a wig and a purse and some lipstick. That was it. And then that, I'm sure, completely inspired a lot of the culture, like the Wayans Brothers and some of the other acts that would do... So, um, what's the guy? I want to say Maurice, but what's the what's the guy that had the shenanigans? Oh, so I'm uh, sure he was inspired uh, uh, by Flip Wilson. Oh, he had to be. Martin, Martin. Martin Lawrence. Yeah, Martin yeah. Lawrence. So, yeah. And, and my, the LaWanda, the LaWanda side, Wanda, my first, my first original drag name was Wanda Kentucky Jackson. But I like, I like Wanda Page from Sanford and Son, and I liked her antics of how she just spoke her mind. She didn't give two, you know, shits who, what they thought about her. Mm-hmm. I love that. So if I could put all of them together, <laughs> yes, LaWanda. So you saw your uncle, you saw Charles Pierce on TV. That was your first experience. And then you see your uncle. Does your mom tell you about, oh, he dresses up and perform? Or Not you just, all. you happen to be there my, my and mom, he just put on yeah, show? Yeah, my mom didn't know either. I just, I would wonder where my uncle would go on the weekends. And I said, uncle, I want to go with you. He said, okay, but well, don't tell anybody. And him and his friends would all get together at their house, or those houses, and they would have, like, getting dragged and just parade around the house, lip syncing the song. I said, oh. So I told him, I'm going to do that. He said, no, you can't find work to doing this. And 45 years later, I'm still doing it. <laughs> Seriously. He told me there wasn't a career in it. So when you were going through, when was the first time you actually put on a wig? Were you Halloween, high school, junior high? My 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 best friend, which her name was uh, Marlene, the seniors, the senior Jefferson High School performing arts where I was going to school, had a talent contest, freshman, junior, sophomore, senior. Every year they have a competition. And Marlene said, why don't why not dress you up as a girl and you enter the contest with no one knowing it's you? For, and I represented the uh, junior class. Okay. I did Star Love and won. Oh, Tina so Marie. At the end of Tina Marie, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, Sherilyn. Okay, Star yeah, Love yeah. in the Nine. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So I did that, and everyone was like, well, who was that black girl? We, we haven't seen her around the class. <laughs> so at the very end, they said, and the first prize goes to Wendell Jackson. And they, ju- I took my wig off, and they just, the, the theater went stupid They beat crazy. the walls. <laughs> and I said, from that point on, I was hooked. Yeah. Wow, wow. And then when when did you, so you see Charles Pierce and your uncle, when do you actually meet other performers that inspire you? Do you venture out? Do you know, so you, uh, from day one, you know you're gay, or you're thinking, maybe I'm bisexual. Maybe I like girls. Or... No, no. I, I I tried the girl thing once. I didn't like it. I tried the girl's brother, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how it happened. I dated I dated Deborah first, and then I a week later I went with a brother. And same, I think a lot of us same same experience where you're like I was dating a girl and a boy at the same time, and I was like, well, gosh, the girl thing doesn't even seem like it's that exciting, yeah, but yeah, the guy thing was like my, my virgi- like fireworks. My virginity was taken from me from a woman, but my aha moment was, was the from guy. A guy. The same same exact moment. It's like the girls were first, and but the guy. I'm like, wait, 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 something's wrong because the experience with the guy was far more amazing. So I knew then. I was I'm like, more oh, intrigued. I am. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm more attracted to guys. So that's that's the same same thing. So and, and then when I when I, I was uh, going back on that, when you said what was my real big wig moment, I was uh, downtown. I was seven, six, seventeen, and I was downtown Portland, and I saw a sign looking for male dancers auditioning, and it said Darcel fifteen, and I was it was on uh, off, off Burnside. I went in and I said hi. She said she said who are you? She said I'm Walter Walter Cole. This is my my club. I'm looking for dancers. I said well can I dance? 
She said, how old are you? I said, I'm almost 18. She said, well, you can audition. I auditioned. I did uh, Prince and Michael Jackson up just to the music, dancing. So she hired me, but she had to get the approval from my mom. She said, I can were hire you, you. Were you a trained dancer or you just No, I'm a high school performer. No, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. was in jazz and ballet okay. and, you know, the Fruit Loop. So Darcel called my mom. My mom said, what kind of club is it? She said, it's a, it's a show club. She said, I want to hire your son, but I need your consent. So by law, she had to keep me in a DJ booth and, and let me go down to change, do, go on the stage, come back down, get out of the costume and go back into the DJ booth in between shows. And Walter Cole, you know, Darcel, Darcel, amazing, uh, legendary, one of the oldest drag queens in the world, if not the oldest drag queen. Nine, yeah. he, he just turned 90. And still working. Yeah, and still working, owns legendary club in uh, in Portland. So um, that's that's the place that first excited Luanda. So and you end up there and I, you're I, just, as a boy, as dancing. A, as a male dancer, but then after the, after the male dancing show was over, she had male performers first, and then after that was the drag. And so I said, drag? What? And I was looking and watching, sneaking, sneaking in, trying to see. And I said, oh my God, I want to do that. So Darcel said, if you want to do this, when you turn 18, you need to have a name. And so there was a pad, there was a, there was a contest. It was called Rosebud and Thorn for the younger people who were under 21. I said, well, I want to enter that. I said, but I need a name. So Darcel named me Wanda for Window, because my given name is Window. She said, why don't we call you Wanda? I said, well, they said you have to have a gimmick for presentation. She said, well, how about Kentucky Fried Chicken? I said, what? What? Darcel. <laughs> she said, why don't we call you Wanda Kentucky Jackson? She said, I said, what's going to be my gimmick? She said, when you we do your presentation, I'm going to help you out with it. She put it all together, her and Roxy, her husband at the time, God rest his soul. They put it together. I was Wanda Kentucky Jackson into the, in my in my speech. I said, hey, you guys, I'm Wanda Kentucky Jackson, contestant number three. I have, the, I'm 11 herbs and spices. And if you're really good to me, I'll show you what my secret recipe is. And at that time, the bucket of chicken popped open. Three big chickens came out, live chickens oh, came okay. out and the place went crazy. And I won. <laughs> I was Rosebud number three. Wanda, Kentucky. That's really was, how, this, was this a pageant? or It, it, was, it, was, con- a, it was a contest. A contest. A weekly contest that she had there? Uh, no, it was, it was a yearly contest, okay. but it was at another club in town. So and it's still going on now. Now they're on Rosebud 43. I was three. Wow. That's a long wow. time. And then um, you're, you win the contest uh, and uh, you get crowned, you're crowned. So uh, now the, you're really inspired to do something. To, to keep going. So then then uh, I got introduced to the Rose Court, which is the Sovereign Rose Court, and I ran for Miss Oregon. And I ran for Miss Oregon when I turned 21. I won Miss Oregon, which sets you up to become Empress. Well, while I was Miss Oregon, I was working at Empress Avenue, and um, this queen said, Wanda, said, Wanda, if you really want to be something, you need to go to Texas. Texas and run for pageants. I said, they, they don't do court stuff? She said, no, they do contests. So my stepfather lived in Houston, and so during the summer, I would go visit him. And I once I saw the shows there, it was a wrap for drag. <laughs> so saw, she's talking about the court system, which, I mean, what people, what, got, what society really doesn't know about, I mean, are there are these amazing organizations that are charities. I mean, they're charitable organizations that center around drag, and the court system is one of the oldest. In the world. In the world. They're all over the world, and drag queens go and they compete and they raise money and they give money away to people in need and, and places in need. And the court system's been around forever, so the court system is a contest, but not recognized like two different things. So, like, it's a charitable organization. Then we have a, the pageant system, which is basically, you know, for people who are listening, is basically what's Miss America and Miss Universe. It's the same, it's, same thing, but it's, it's just the same. 
what do you what we call it, the same integrity is all there, but it's for drag queens. Drag queens. You know, and that's why I always tell the up and comers I have been in the pageant and they're like, oh no, what's that? It's like, oh honey, you didn't exactly what you're doing because the pageant system will teach you will really prepare you for the real it's world. It's like sending you to a university. They, and, and they have from drag. Male, they yeah. have male and female pageants. Yeah. And they have several different branches and divisions of different systems that you can be a part of. I was a part of uh, Texas. Miss Miss Oregon was first from the court, and then Miss Texas. I won. So what year were you? So, so you, you every summer you're going to Houston. I was I was going to Houston to visit my stepdad, and and you get a little taste of the drag there and want, and learn. And and then when was your first? Did you ever officially move there, or do you just every summer you'd go and get I, a little taste of it? And I, I yeah I did I did I did the back and forth, and then I uh, I decided to move there uh, after high school. I got a scholarship with Alvin Ailey. Did the scholarship that ran out. Did a contest at Grace Jones's club in New York called Crisco Disco, and I and I painted myself as Grace Jones. Did Grace Jones, and I won a thousand dollars. I used that money to fly to Houston, and then I started. St- what did, year is this? Do you remember? Nineteen eighty. I, I wasn't st- even born yet. Really? Did you? <laughs> Well, you have a good, you have a good doctor. So, and so with that money, with that money from that contest, I went to Houston, moved, found an apartment, and just kind of got my foot wet in the. I did talent nights and mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I did Miss Black Houston, which was at a, a black club that was there, Queen Creme de la Creme. Uh-huh. Then Miss Black Houston took me to Miss the Miss Houston pageant. Mm-hmm. And what pageant system? Oh, Miss Gay America. I, pageant? Mean, I, did, I did Miss Houston America first, uh-huh. and then I went to Miss Texas America. I got first runner-up to go to Miss America, but I didn't go because I felt slighted. I won all the categories, but didn't win the pageant. So I wow. went to Miss Ca- went to USA. How about so? When was it? What's the first queen that you actually meet that I would say one of your first good Judies that that inspired you and helped you to aspire, you know, to greater her, greater her, feats. Her name was uh, Lindsay Love Ignacio. She saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. She says, "I'm gonna teach you how to do interview, and I'm gonna teach you how to walk because I was pigeon-toed." She said, "I'm gonna teach you how to slow down, cover your arms up because." you're muscular she was the one that kind of put me together mm-hmm. yeah you have to have somebody put you together because you don't you well there's so much more i mean you know i mean you've seen me you see me uh blossom but it's like so naive in the beginning with the queens because i'm like you don't realize how much information is needs to be educated with these girls that come in that want to be drag queens you I'm know not, i mean not. there's it's and they don't even understand i mean the hand movement the the hand covering the hands the people ask like oh my god why is their jewelry so big you know that it's like well that's that, that that makes the male hands look like they're smaller. And, like, and, it, why do you have a long sleeve dresses all the time? I'm trying to cover my arms. Yeah, because they're men. People forget they're men. So you just, they throw on a dress and they think, oh, I'm fish. It's like, and, and put on a wig. And it wasn't really and until lashes. you saw me in drag and then it was painful. Like to do it the yeah. right way. Yeah, you were was, size six. It was painful. Corset. And I had so much more respect for these girls. But, you know, a lot of them today, they don't even understand what it, it takes. Right, right now. And the pageant it, system, if you're listening, the pageant system will teach you, you and teach that. You. And there's people, every entertainer I've spoken to, they always have a wonderful, enlightening story about someone that helped them. And that's what is so amazing. There's always this person, this angel that is just there that takes care of these people that become these legends, and, you know? And, and, you, and you don't yeah. realize until later on in life, you yeah. look back and go, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a connection. I mean, if you listen to another great story, like I know you're about to explain to me with Lindsay was Elgin Kenna's story because he never thought he was going to be in drag. And he went and bought out Cher's new album. And one of the drag queens who he was good friends with saw him miming in the mirror. And he's and she's like, girl, 
you need to do Cher. And he's like, oh, no, I won't get in drag. And then she was the one who put him in drag just because he, the drag queen caught him in the mirror just it's, mouthing the words. And they turned saw, him, saw that mug. Yeah, and they said, turned him into Cher. And that, uh, that was a great podcast, if you guys so are listening. <laughs> it's always someone. If you, if you, but a lot of the younger generation now, especially, they don't want to listen. Everything is so microwaved. Oh, you, God, that's a great term you it's got it so yeah. microwave just yeah. push three done yeah. yeah yeah no and it's so far and you know a perfect example i'm not i'm not i'm not sliding anyone a perfect example is there's only a few girls really truly turning it from rupaul's drag race uh the, you know the, you know there's only a few and because the ones that don't have the complete package 100 percent into all into okay. to anybody that's listening from drag race your window of opportunity is only a year and if you cannot seize that business-wise, don't, don't worry about it. You have a year. And I love Bianca Del Rio, and I tell anybody, she is my number one queen bee bitch with a foul mouth. Yeah. And I love the ground she walks on. Yeah. She but, was, I mean, but you see how many people that you don't hear from again. You're not going to hear from again. Because you don't, they don't understand that. So a lot of them become famous quickly. Now I'm talking about the winners, the ones that go, and then there's not much you don't hear from them again because you're not going they're to. just they're just queens. They're you, not they're, you, there's you, so you, much more that needs to be But Dan, they don't they're have microwave like, in my opinion. Like no, you no. said like I said earlier, they didn't have anyone to nourish and teach them and push them on no. because they they think they know it all and they don't want to listen no. and for the advice, the guidance, but look where they are now. You know, that you know my my area and I worked with one and it's it's just interesting to see his journey, you know, and it's unfortunate, but you were, you see some of the others who've turned it out. Who've turned who, it out. Who've turned it out. Have, Even I, if they haven't won, they've turned it out. I have they, some. I have some good Judy's, honey. Coco <laughs> Montrese is my Judy. Judy. Yeah, and she's did. still yeah. doing well. Yeah. But she, you have, they, she, she learned. She learned how to realize. Once you realize that you're the business, you have to treat it like a business. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's gonna like you. I want you. But the ones that like you and want you, they'll take you. And but, and I always remember where you came from. Always. always be because one day you'll be back there on that same stage. Always. <laughs> I forgot that. Thank you, Dan, for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day you'll be back there on that same stage. And I, and I love you for it. <laughs> <laughs> so this Lindsay Love, Lindsay person, is that in Texas or in Portland? He, he was in Portland. Okay. Darcel was my mentor in from Portland, and Lindsay was Houston. Lindsay so Love. That that Darcel is like my experience with Lacage. Like you walked into Darcel's, and I walked in Lacage, and I would never in my entire life ever think that moment when I walked in there that I'd ever be dealing with drag queens 30-something years later. <laughs> and doing successful. Yeah, let, oh, let me applaud you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's exciting. Not, in the dollar, not with dollar signs, but successful as far as making a mark and doing stuff right, you know, of I course. Agree. Of course. Um, so, Lindsay, she's moved on then? She's passed. She's yeah, passed, so yeah. What, what was the most biggest inspiration that she gave you? Like, she teach you, like, sanity or, or keep your feet on the ground? Or was it more like, okay, this is how you're going to beat a wig, this is how you're going to do your mug, this is how you have the corset like what kind of things did she teach you the the biggest thing that stuck with me is that she said lawanda when you're meeting these people in these bars that you're going to be exposed to she said how you treat them is the especially the bar owners is how they're going to how you treat them is how they're going to treat you and she was right because some of the people that were barbacks own these big dance clubs now and because i didn't belittle them back in the day or be grand i'm still working for them I fly to Portland every year to Silverado's. Even after the stroke, I still work for them because the bar owner now was just a bartender when I met him. But he said I was always nice to him. And now he owns a place <laughs> and I'm still working for working for him. So you eventually move from Portland to Houston? I moved from Portland to Houston. I, 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 one year in L.A., 
and then um, the rest of the time was Houston. So was there an event in L.A. that took place that tur- that sent you to Houston? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, no event that when I when I like went an experience, to experience like a yeah, life changing. I went, I went to audition for Lacage in La Cienega Boulevard back when I was doing Gay Pride and uh, at the uh, Blue Well in West Hollywood. And Donna Summers was all the rave. So got, I got in, got in Donna Summers drag. Went to Lacage. Like 83, 84, uh-huh. 85, something. And Lou uh-huh. Lou, uh, Lou Pasioko was show director at the time. I walked in with Tommy Ross. Tommy was stunning Donna Ross. He hired her. I was halfway doing my numbers Donna Summers. He stopped, took the CD off and said, gave it back to me, kind of threw it at me and told me that I need to uh, find a day job and <laughs> not do drag. And at that moment, uh, Gypsy, uh, someone who worked who was MC, came out, who was watching the audition, came out. I was in tears, crying on crying on the boulevard. She grabbed me and said, if you let him defy who you are, you'll never make it in this business. She was right. She said, wipe up those tears, honey, and go to go to Pride, be fabulous, and stay fabulous, and don't look back. And then, so that didn't affect you. Uh, and it affected a lot of people. I mean, I auditioned as well. I just knew within hours from I'd be getting a call after auditioning for Lacoste. I never got a call. No, he told me to, but he told me to my face in front of the cast member. So I was really crushed. <laughs> but it was more more lined up for people, men that would perform as women anyways. But yeah, that's it, it's just interesting now when we look back at all that because it's like Lou was an interest, Lou was the person that started the cabaret show, La Caja mm-hmm. Lou Pasioko. So. And I thought I was Donna Summers, but I was Leon Summers to him. <laughs> so you move, you, so you hit, you hit it, you, you hit it and head to Houston. Head to Houston. And then at that time you hit the gay scene, hit gay clubs there. Talonite, Talonite. Night, Talonite, Talonite, until finally I got my break and won. Which is so funny because, because when I was doing George Michael, it's always the where are the talent nights and where are the lip sync contests up and down Southern California, the coast, looking for talent shows every night. And I can't stress to all these up and coming performers that, listening that you cannot buy stage time. No. So all this, even if you're performing for free, that is money in the bank later because you are creating, you're creating your craft. Get on stage anytime you can, and it's just money in the bank. Because I advise that because you'll know. I as a as a veteran of arts and you as well. You know when the girls are new. They they do. they. I'm not talking about look. I'm just talking about the way they. I still experience today. I mean, there's has to, there's a rhythm and a rhyme to performing. It's not just your look. It's just the whole stage presence and and especially especially stage direction. As veterans, we see it. It's so funny. And you'll learn your act better being on stage as much as possible. Especially so. the interaction with the crowd. Oh yeah. my God, you can't buy that. Yeah. And uh, I have I've had friends and newcomers that will come out lip sync and look up to the at the roof at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have that. They don't till they learn that connection. No. So, so, so you're Houston. Start doing all the talent nights. And when does Luanda Jackson's act start coming together? Like you start impersonating people eventually, uh, I, I, or are you I, just focusing on being a pretty woman at this point? No, I, I just was. I was trying to. I thought I was Janet Jackson, looking like <laughs> Leon Jackson. And uh, I saw. I met a guy named Dan Hankins who uh, did putting on the hits. He used to do the half and half. Diana Ross, Lionel Richie. And so I would. Now let's talk about it for a second. So. We, do we think when did when did that originate from? That was, originated, did he do it, it or Dan, was there someone else? It was, it was Dan Hankins. Dan Hankins was the originator of the Diana Ross. They called him Houston on the show. Any shows that he did, he won the big lip sync contest. I hope you guys are listening to this because this is history. Because someone comes up with this stuff and people 
think, oh, I created it. It's like, no, no. no it's no. like, no. People, there's a lot of half and half going on out there. You know that? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it is, and there's someone who came up with that, yeah. or at least in our generation. And, and Dan, Dan, it, it was yeah. Dan Hankins, and he did uh, Putting on the Hits. And that was a national televised show. He won the Nationals, went on to great recognition. And from that, they hired him at Lacage. And so with me following Dan, you know, him being my, like, I would love to go with him because he was so fun, so great to be around. So as he, he worked for Lacage for a long time, Atlantic City and Las Vegas. He was like a specialty act. And as a, and as a producer, producers are thinking, okay, how can I, how can I duplicate this? <laughs> and, so, and so with me watching Dan and going to help him dress and helping him with his wigs, when he had gotten ill, God rest his soul, he called Nabir Alleman at Las Vegas and said, I have a friend named Window. He goes with me to all of the shows and he can do my act. He's my same size and everything. Nabir didn't know me from Adam. So Nabir called me on the phone. Hello, this is Nabir Alleman. <laughs> oh, is this Window Jackson? I said, Nabir, yes. Well, Dan told me you could come to Vegas and do his act. He said, I need you here in a week. A week? He said, I'm going to give you a per diem. $2,000, pack everything up, and be here in a week. And I did. And that's show business. And that's show business. <laughs> and I never looked back. I worked at LaCanche for about nine years. So you hadn't even done any impersonation no, yet? No, so he, not you were at doing, all. You were doing drag in Houston. Just drag. And then your good friend Houston, you know Dan. his act, and he, you fall into his costume. I didn't even have to audition. And, I still and this had... act was so beyond, <gasps> it was really was beyond the makeup part, because he actually sewed two different types of, of outfits together, half and half, all the way down. And it's so, it's and just a remarkable the, act. The skin tone was different on one side. Yeah, yeah. The, the Donna Ross was animated. The Lionel Richie was over the top. The mustache, mm-hmm. big eyebrows. It was mm-hmm. fabulous. Yeah. I, I remember. So you start doing that. And then you meet these other queens are, who are just I, amazing impersonators. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, with, right? I'm sitting between the creme de la creme. <laughs> uh, Larry Edwards, Tim Dunn, Lane Lasters, Michael Jackson. There was a Shirley MacLaine. There was a Cher. I was just like, wow. I was wild. So I would Las watch. Las Vegas, which is like the Crim- capital of entertainment. Is, yeah. And I would sit between them, and and I said, wait a minute. If this white guy can paint black. <laughs> Tim Dunn. We're talking about Tim Dunn. <laughs> I, and he's painting his hands and his face. I'm like, what the, what is really going on? <laughs> and the audience didn't know that he was Caucasian. Larry, I'm sitting next to Larry, who was originally from Houston, Hot Chocolate, doing Tina. So I said, wait a minute, I got to evolve somehow. So I would sneak and watch them on the side curtain do Tina, and I watched Tim Dunn do Dion. This is news to me. I didn't know all that. Oh, yeah, so, for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I still have the wig that Larry gave me originally still. So I'd watch them. So not knowing down the line that they would save my life, actually, because when I was doing half and half, then another producer came in and bought me out of the contract, Greg Thompson out of Seattle, and took me from Seattle to Japan. And I was in Tokyo for two years. Doing half and half. Doing ha- I was a specialty act in a burlesque, topless showgirl show. And Greg Thompson still another amazing... like. Successful stage producer. I mean, so I've been blessed. At one time, if you saw Showgirls on E Channel, that was his reality show. One of the first reality shows that E Channel did. You know, one of the first reality shows. uh, And Greg Thompson's been. I when I was an aspiring producer, I remember being at Harris. Every Harris property you went to was Greg Thompson. Had to be a Greg Thompson show because he had a fierce contract. Fierce, like all all over the world. Every Harris, every Harris property you went to, it was a Greg Thompson show, and he was. and talking costumes, dancers, yeah. props. 
And he, he married he married one of his missing get. And she still what Mr. Get is producing now okay. in Vegas. And that's see that's news I didn't know. Oh, but then yeah. he eventually married Sonny. He married Sonny, which was a Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Beautiful. But so he's married to Mr. Mr. He was married to Mr. Get first. first. And wow. then Sonny Sonny now. And Sonny and him are still together. That's news to me. I had no idea. See? <laughs> yeah. Mr. So that's Gale. Greg Thompson, a little side note, Greg Thompson. So you're in Japan for two years. So then I'm assuming you're working on what you just experienced in Las Vegas. I was working on Deanna <laughs> Tina on the side. Yeah. And so Greg, I asked Greg, can I audition it? I did. And Greg said, well, we can put you in the show now as Tina Turner sometimes. So did he you was, like Tina? Oh, I enjoy, I enjoy the fire. The energy, and I studied them first. Oh, you know, we didn't have we didn't have uh, the cell phones now. Back the internet, then. so you had to go and buy videos. I, I, and bought, stuff. I buy the uh, the uh, video and DVD at the time. So, you're, and were you a fan? Uh, were you a fan of Dion? Because that's a ex- you became a fan of Dion. I became a fan of Dion through Tim Dunn. And then, as I was doing Dion, someone said, "You look like Mary J. Blige, Brother McNeely, back in Houston." He said, "Get out of that wig and try Mary." Mary who? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm Mary Poppins. He said, "No, Mary J. Blige." It's like evolution. So, yeah. what, what year are you actually in Japan with Greg Thompson? Do you remember? Uh, 90, 96, 97, and ninety-eight. And so, eventually, you leave Japan. You come back to Houston, or I, I, with, I, you come I, back to Vegas. Another producer saw me in Japan, Bill Lloyd, and Bill Lloyd took me to. The other countries, Vienna, <laughs> Austria. I could. I mean, the list goes on. So in Austria, were you there with? Did you work with Jasmine? I, I was. I was with Jasmine. Jasmine and Wayne Smith was actually in that show Cut, too, right? Oh yeah. my God, yes. <laughs> and uh, and also uh, the Diana Ross, Spanish David. David Michaels. David Michaels. Who? Gosh, uh, I don't. I think Mitzi still is still around. When the servers from Lakash, he's still as good friends with David Michaels. Still in L.A. <laughs> Boy, it's a small world. <laughs> it's so exciting because it's like you think about you know, it's a little bit different now because there's social media and you know and shows that sit around drag. But back then, and when someone got a gig, it was a really big. It deal. was a big deal when you're going to Austria. I mean, there was producers taking drag shows to other parts of the world, and it was a big deal. Austria, so I, Germany, Vienna. I mean, just, you know, it's it's the list goes on. And people don't realize that these drag shows were happening, and it was outside of a gay club. That's what's really important. I mean, the movement to be out outside because get you know drag and gay is synonymous but you take drag out of the gay environment you put on a big stage yeah, in front it's, of it's, 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 heterosexual it's crowds it become, it's still art but it, it really becomes art it really is it's because it's, it's out of the bar and they're wild by it and i yeah. you know i work with jimmy emerson show pro mississippi in places i never thought drag would even oh, evolve yeah. in a casino so you're with bill lloyd that run in so when that run ends you end up back in las vegas or you go back to houston when, when bill lloyd in i went when bill lloyd's show ended i went back to Houston. And do you get into the pageants at that time, or is the pageants? I was, I was, I was actually is, doing in between the contracts because some of them were a year, some of them was six months, mm-hmm. some of them was two, three years. Yeah. So I would go back home and do contests and compete in pageants and learn. And learn. I learned more, even more from even the girls. Way more, <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. So you're back in Houston. What time? What time frame says we're like 97, 98. After Bill Lloyd? I would say 98, 97, 98, because then I, I, I met up with our Roxy star, Jimmy Emerson, started working for Star Pro. So and he Jim, was from, and Jimmy was, hailed from, from Dallas Beaumont, or Texas, Houston? Beaumont, Texas. Okay. And so Jimmy would put together, uh, they had an a, a version of Lacage and a B version, which was the traveling cast. Because he was working with Lacage in Las Vegas at, mm-hmm. at the time, for a long time. So, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. he was a headliner, MC, mm-hmm. producer. So he would do his own, he would set up his own road show, Lacage Road Show, but under Jimmy Star Pro. 
pro production. Sure. You come back with Bill Lloyd. You get back into the pageant system at, back, in Houston. Back, back into pageants. And then Miss I, Gay America, or uh, which system? Uh, Texas America. And then after Texas America, I ran for Miss Texas U.S. of A. And I ran for Miss Texas U.S. of A maybe four times. So let's talk about that because so there's several different systems. So we have U.S. of U.S. of A pageant system, and then we have Miss Gay America pageant system. And, and, What's the difference? Is it from what I know, some can have surgery, some cannot. Is uh, that correct? Yeah, or Miss, Miss Gay America, their main requirement is no augmentation from the neck down. Okay. Miss Gay Miss Gay U.S. of A pageant system is you can be augmentated, but not a full sex change, but you can be transgendered. Okay, so those are the different. That's the difference. That's the difference. Gotcha. So full boy America. As gay, America. We're, and then you're going to have some changes for, for yep, USA. USA, for sure. Okay. So, and how did that go? Did you fare well there or? Uh, for, at, at Miss US, for Miss USA? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, so I ran, I ran uh, three, three times for, three or four times for Miss Texas. I always made the top 12, never, and made the five one time, became first runner up. I waited a couple of years. I went back when I was 50. I was the oldest competitor in 2012, 11, to run for Miss Texas. I was 50 years old running against 21-year-old queens. I won interview with a perfect score, and I won talent. The Mary J. Blige that I laughed at <laughs> won talent with dancers. In the interview, you know, you know, Dan, I'm not afraid of no, you know, I'm open book. So interview was a wrap. So the girl that they said was too old and washed up to do pageants at 50, won, went on to become... Miss USA under Miss Texas, which is rare. There's only a few. So, yeah. So, so I, you, you went in the U.S. of a system, you actually won the title? I won Miss Texas and won Miss Texas and then won Miss USA because uh, that was my prelim. And what year was that? Uh, I won 11 Miss Texas, Miss USA 2012. Okay. So that's how you have to qualify it's in a, qualifying regions. Quali- uh, yeah, in different regions of the state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And country. And, and then they, they come together. Yeah, for USA. Yeah. Yeah. Then they come together for, sure. for national titles. Mm-hmm. So if you, no one's, if you guys listening have never seen that a national pageant, they are not. Messing around. <laughs> it is unbelievable. It there. is unbelievable. Every drag queen, up and coming drag queen, should always go to the national pageants because you will not believe what those do. I mean, it's so inspiring. I mean, to see these and people that have no other. What excites me about seeing that is you. We you have people coming from all different types of of income brackets. Brackets, for sure. and they are turning it out and living something that they would have never thought was ever possible. And, and, and then, e- even if they didn't win, it's the magic of that night. Yeah. And they're it's learning. So, I mean, it's so magical. They, there's a learning aspect to winning because you're, 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 you're just as the real pageants, they do charitable stuff as, oh, as the oh, crown winner. Year round. Yeah, and they're performing and they're year, meeting and they're around. carrying that crown. They become, they become yeah. the, the voice and the advocacy of the community. And just like the in real the, pageants, in the, in the you, have to, you have to be... You have to do things right, or you can lose your crown, right? You can immediately take it away. Yeah. So, yeah, you're uh, you're upholding the art of drag, but also the art of humanity and, and your community and and the mm-hmm. community. So you can't act crazy. But so it's a it's a life lesson all around. You learn your craft, learn how to be an adult, and uh, and learn how to help other people. So it's it uh, is very success. You can yeah. be, you can be very successful in the business because you can go from one pageant system when when your reign is over, you can go to another pageant system. They have EOY, Continental, Black the Universe, Entertain- Entertainer of the Year. Yeah, they yeah. Got Several. So when we met in 2001, I want to say, so you had started working at casinos in the South with Jimmy? With Jimmy, Mississippi. Okay, and then I was Paul Blaine, which is our mutual mutual contact. So I remember you calling, and I have such a funny story to tell you about that. And I know I told you before to tell the listeners. So 
I'm living in the hotel, 2001, living in the casino hotel at that time. And um, actually, it was 2000, actually, now, because we moved out of the hotel. So I was in the hotel for, I think, three months. And then you call me in the year 2000. And so there is this very flamboyant server in the restaurant called, his name's Welland. And so, you know, he's very flamboyant, and we're all kikiing with him and everything. And I get back to my room, and there's a message from you. And I'm thinking it's that boy. I'm like, how did he call, find out where I... So that's the funny story. I thought that flamboyant boy got my, told... got my number oh in my the God. hotel you room. Oh, my God. thought I was talking to you? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my... And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, my gosh, no, it's a different person. It was you. Because his name was Weldon Wendell and Wendell. Wendell yeah, Wendell and yeah, So I was all yeah. confused. So that, I just remember that day when you left me a voicemail. So. Did you return my call? I don't Can't remember. Because it was like another good year, I think, before you ever came out there. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you learned you you earned your your uh, way with me because I remember you got off that plane, probably burned bridges at the other place. Remember you're flying. You texted me. You said, "Oh, I'm in Reno." I'm like, "Well, just stay off the plane and come work and do New Year's." And you you shine you shine the other people that you're going for your New Year's gig, and you came up to Tahoe. You remember you got on the bus. Oh my damn! They had blackballed me something. <laughs> So that's, but we sure had a good show. I was going to work with Kenny, for Kenny Kerr. Oh, is that what it was? Uh-huh. Okay. It was here. Was it Palm Springs? Yes. The big casino. I remember. But I remember you getting off the plane. That was 2000. I was on a layover. It was New Year's. Yeah, that was New Year's Eve. Um, and you said and you, you texted me. You said and I, said, I could use you. Cody was in the show, but you were in the show. Yeah, we had a great show, and you got off the plane, and it was... Um, I want to say Cody's in the show 2002. Or Cody Collins. Yeah, Cody mm-hmm. Collins. Yeah, and that's when our friendship took off. And we used to. I would just say one word or look at Lawanda, and she knew. I would know exactly yes. what I was thinking. <laughs> and, and I th- and I think I'm one of the few people in this in this industry that met your parents also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you know me long enough, you'll meet my family. Yeah, but I mean, you met Lewis. Lewis and I were a creative team at the time, and then we were. Just- you could, you two were like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> Sunny and share. I can see <laughs> So we, yeah, Luanda worked for me, and then we had worked in Palm Springs at the Fancy Springs Casino, and then worked in Tahoe and did all kinds of other little little hole in the wall stints and private parties. And then you know, with Miss Finladder help, we got Luanda in uh, Miss Congeniality too. Oh, Dan, that was that was a huge. I never thought of me, a movie was not even in my dream cycle. So especially back then. And when drag is drag? Like, I mean, when you talk about the history of drag, when you listen to the podcast, I mean, let's talk about Bobby Bruno for a second. I mean, Bobby Bruno was on a nationally syndicated TV show in 79 with a conservative tele- talk show host I, I saw that. in drag in with his mom. That's a that. huge That's moment. Huge. But then it, then you see drag go completely away again. So it's, I mean, RuPaul's making a big splash now. You know, this the, is their and, new it, 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 In it, the it U.S., right, you know. Right. But I'm afraid as the decades go by, it's going to be pushed back. It seems to be history. It gets pushed back. Then and then all, it, it comes, always, it's just an evolution his, of the business. Yeah, so... I already lost my train of thought. So, oh, we're talking about. So now here's a chance: a major film, major motion picture, looking for a huge drag scene featuring all kinds of drag queens. And, we're, and we're I talking, get the call, and we're talking two blocks long of drag queens. Yeah, and, and I get the call, and I just call every drag queen I know, and it's for Sandra Bullock, a huge hit, and it's a sequel. And so, well, call my good Judies, and they all come flying in or driving in, and there's a. And I, every time I think about it, I think about you and, and Larry and everyone else is auditioning. You know, everyone came in. And we had class. I don't think you were in it, but we even had Lewis was teaching this. We had the 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 team. We had the um, what do you call it? The group the group lesson. What's that called? Workshop where 
everyone's running the lines together. We're all oh, running why the would lines. Why would they do that one? Yeah. There's like 10 of us running lines for the audition the next day that came in early. And we had a little workshop with Lewis and to having everyone go one by one reading the lines. So it was they came in audition. During your audition, something happens where you could be in Lawanda. You decide this is for Miss Congeniality 2 during the audition segment. You tell the casting people that you want to sing or something, right? Yeah, Dan. Or they ask you to sing. Dan, because, you know, they, I, had the, I said the line and then he said to me, he said, uh, Lawanda, can you do the line that you would do at a club? I said, yeah. So I read the line. I said, well, I was here before you, Miss Thing. Don't you try it. He's like, okay, cut. He says, can you do anything else? I said, oh, I can sing. He said, Tina? I said, yeah, honey. <laughs> I had, you could hear the wall shaking. I sang the house down. We were in the we were in the waiting room. I was like, "What is she doing in there?" I was singing Proud Mary acapella. Yeah, you were singing. Singing. Everyone was gagging outside, and then I remember Larry. Larry hot chocolate. <laughs> Larry Everett goes, "What just happened?" And all Lewis said, "I don't know. You better learn it though." <laughs> Because you, you only had two minutes. Yeah. They only gave us two minutes apiece. You could either sing, whatever. That was your option. And I and I wasn't prepared to sing. I was going to do the line and leave. He said, well, you got anything else? I said, yeah, I can sing. He said, Tina? I said, yeah. Honey, it was a wrap. <laughs> and you got in the film. I walked out of the studio, <laughs> got in the town car to go back to the hotel. The town car phone rang. It was for me. And they said, you don't have to come back. You, we, we love you. And you were in the film. And how... So a bunch of people were in the film. A bunch of people were in the right. film. A huge, huge moment for drag. You know, way before, you know, just a huge moment for drag. Altogether. And then, you know, they didn't want us on the red carpet. Remember? Oh, right. They did not want the drag queens to appear at the premiere. Yeah. So still, the, you see this interesting moment with, with uh, it's not political, but it's just with society. Society. You know, how they don't want, you know, people are concerned. You know, we're talking about publicists are concerned having these drag queens with Sandra Bullock, Bullock on red carpet but she played it well because as soon as she saw you guys on red carpet it she, was magic and regina king shut it, it down. was magic it was magic. in the after party it was magic it so was. yeah so miss congeniality 2 if you guys never seen it there's a huge drag scene in that film i was responsible all these girls turned it out they got in there I cast them in there and it was a wonderful moment i remember 2004 it was the end of my run my first casino contract ended in 2004 and that was my next big thing i was doing that and, and i remember us taking pictures with sandra Bullock and paparazzi was it was i mean massive and i said i said um uh sandra can i go across the street she said go across the street i said for what she said for what we're on the red carpet she whispered in my ear i said i want to go where the people are screaming she said well go we want to go and i went across the street and started scooting down the boulevard as tina <laughs> it was crazy <laughs> Because back then, back, I mean, pre-COVID times, you know, when the world premieres of movies, this huge, huge They, they kept chanting, Tina, Tina. <laughs> We're talking Hollywood Boulevard, roped off. So that's 2004. And then, so trying to think now what happens after that. You're still, you're still based in Houston. So you're still doing I, the... I'm still in Houston. I do the pageants. I, I win Cla Miss Classic. I win US of A, Texas Classic for over 40. And I do Texas Classic first, Texas Classic, then Miss Classic, over 40, get US of A, and then from there, I took time off. I was 40. I went back at 50, won Miss Texas, then Miss USA. And a year later, I had a stroke. So let's talk about it. So all this comes to a abrupt stop, like life Jen, I, was, I was getting ready for gay pride in Houston. What year is it? It was uh, 2014. And I was brushing my teeth. And my mechanic said, Lawanda, I'm coming to fix your brakes. I said, Bobby, you don't have to come until... <laughs> Saturday. He said, he said, I'm on the bus on my way to your house to fix your brakes. I said, 
said, well, the door is open. I put some coffee on the stove for you. And I'm in the bathroom brushing my teeth. All of a sudden, my legs gave way. And I blacked out. And when I came to, Bobby, Bobby and the paramedics were standing over me. And I said, Bobby, what is... I'm trying to talk. My face was paralyzed on one side. My left side was flaccid. It wouldn't move. They picked me up. They said, ma'am, we're going to get you into the helicopter. Just just stay, stay awoke. I said, I was trying to tell them, can I call my mom? Because... I didn't know if I was going to survive what I was going through. I didn't know. So I called, Bobby called my mom and I'm trying to talk to her. I get the phone to Bobby. My mom is screaming, tell my son to count. And then I was having an aneurysm on my right side and a stroke on my left side. Then I was athletic. I was a trained dancer. I treated people good. Why me? You know, the universe has a different different path, right? They, they throw obstacles at people and you have a choice to either go over the obstacle or, 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 or just be, you know, be, be stopped in your tracks. And then I was stopped and, in my track. I mean, but you made literally, I mean, we don't even have to focus on that, except the, the lesson here for people listening is like treat every day as if it's your last. Cause you don't know, you don't know, you don't I'm, know what tomorrow I'm assuming I'm brush my teeth, get makeup and go do pride. But we knew, you know, in the back of our heads, we knew Lawanda Kentucky Jackson was going to, this stroke was not going to stop him. Then, then, so what's, so you went through, rehab you spent but in your your mindset was ever a moment because i don't think there was but you could tell us it was ever a moment that you thought that it wasn't you weren't going to get through this then i never dreamed that i would be where i'm sitting now never in a million years when i had dreamed that i'd be talking to you right now like this never mm-hmm. because everything was so stacked against me dad i wasn't gonna be able to wear pumps anymore i could barely stand up i can't use my, my left arm anymore what's not even gonna be needed on stage i was pretty much an invalid i couldn't do, i couldn't even talk took me eight months to try to speak again i couldn't walk at all i was in a wheelchair bed bound and my friends from houston from Amarillo came and got me, put me through. I did. They took care of me for two years. And who are these people? I know you talked about them all the time. It was a Kevin and David out of Amarillo, Texas. They're the most beautiful people I've ever... My mom was going to bring me to Portland, and David asked my mom at the hospital, can we take care of LaWanda, please? And she said, let let us take care of LaWanda. Were were they bar owners or just customers? They still are bar owners. They're on a big bar called 212 in Amarillo, Texas still. And they, they built a garage apartment for me. And then it was top of the line. For two years, I didn't have to take care of anything. They made sure I went to speech therapy. I went to physical therapy. Who does that? Yeah. Who does it? No, it's just the people that we attract in our lives. You know, you try, you you know, just talking to the history of you entertainers, there's always these people that, these angels that are around us that continue to make sure everything goes right for each, for our, for each other. Then they yeah, saved yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And after, after when, when, I, when I said I wanted to go back on stage, my family USA said, well, Lawanda, let us be the first pl- time you walk on stage as a return back after two and a half years being, you know, from the stroke and the aneurysm and walking and that's, a, and that's a miracle in itself. I mean, you, I mean, you're like an amazing example of what can be done. You put your mind to it, but so many people give up in our world. Up. Not just entertainers, but I'm just talking people in general. They give up. But if you continue your will for life, you continue that that focus and you can get through it. And now the work that you've done post-stroke is amazing, especially in drag industry. I mean, when people say they can't do something and you're doing it with one arm, <laughs> it's like, okay, you better try that again because you can, you have, 
you are able to move two arms, Dan, and I can do it with one. Dan, so you better you, try you it again. You better say it, honey. Yeah, you better try it again. And, so. I, and Dan, let me tell you, you're one of the first people, too, to open up their, their arms to me yeah. to say, come and perform. And, you know, not knowing how it's going to be perceived, you know, Tommy Rose gave me the most beautiful introduction. And the people in, here at Oscars didn't even see the stroke. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Mm-hmm. They saw me. I think, I, you know, I looking back at all the people I met, and I think because most of us can look at Luanda and say everything that we've ever experienced was authentic and you. was, you know, humane and was loving. Even though it might have been catty, it was still in a loving, not, I'm just saying it might have sometimes been catty or we yeah, cut yeah, up we cut about catty. Yeah. yeah, but it was always filled with love. And I think that's what you've always, always, no matter what, who and what they were, you always, unless they did you wrong, which I love too. You know, you always had love protruding out from from you and, as a person. And Dan, you know? thank you for saying that. Yeah. And I really believe the universe. Once you put it out there, when when something happens to you, you have a setback. However, you treat the people doing your journey, good, yeah. bad, or indifferent, it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I really believe I was spared for a reason. <laughs> I really believe that, Dan. And now. You're, so th- th- you're, I know you have, I said it many times. I'm like, I want to be part of your class. So tell me about what you do, this class and these workshops that you do for the industry now, for the pageant system. Thank you. When I, when I was in the hospital, uh, Shay Shea Larissa out of Los Angeles, who's a former uh, Miss Gay US of A and Miss Classic, she came to my bedside. She said, LaWanda, I want you to be a pageant coach. I'm like, Shay Shea, pageant coach? I can barely talk. She said, when you get out of this hospital room, you're going to regroup and reboot. She said, I'm going to be your first student. And I work with Shay Shea. Go- going to her pageant to win interview with a perfect score you have to win interview possibly to win the pageant because that's the is that the biggest score the interview is the biggest score it's, no it's oh. only 60 points but it's the only carryover score prelim but, night it carries over to gotcha. final night so if you win interview you're 60 points ahead of everybody gotcha the rest got to catch up and mind you she was up with a lot of good interviewers she won interview with a perfect score and then daryl newman who's part of the us of a newcomer family he that's his family branch and division he said why don't we do a dream team you and Coffee, Wendy Page, God rest her soul, and I want you guys to start doing workshops. I started doing workshops with Coffee and Wendy Page. Wendy Page died, God rest her soul. Coffee kind of did her own thing, but I kept going because it was such a need for it and a want for mm-hmm. it because they were going to interview just thinking they could talk about the dogs and the plants and their car and their house. That's not what interviews are all about. It's about you, the person. So my gift was to them, for me, after the stroke, is that every day is not promised. Be authentic and transparent to everybody that you meet so that when you're gone, they can say they met the real you. They didn't met the facade or a, a Barbie doll or a Ken doll. Mm-hmm. They got to see the real you. And that's hard to do. to break. Because, because once you get into drag, that's not necessarily the real you. It's not. So when you're talking in an interview, that's truly who you are who as a person. you really are. When you are in drag and you're that performer, that is the fantasy or the, or the, or the act that you're trying to portray to that audience to it entertain is. them. But the it interview is. is truly who you are. You're your raw yeah. self. And that's yeah. hard to... And what I've learned in the work coaching that I've been doing, my biggest, my biggest hurdle for me with my with my students or clients, I call them students, is that to take their old baggage out of them and put in new baggage that will replenish them. Mm-hmm. And so many people have a breakthrough, and they win, but they have a breakthrough that takes them not only.
only in pageantry a life lesson all oh, the way yeah. around. Yeah. My son Charlton thinks that I should be a life coach. Mm-hmm. He's been saying that from the beginning. I just see myself as a pageant coach, but he sees myself as a life coach. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. there's a, the pageantry is some is such a good. It's just a learning experience all around. Just for besides learning lessons for being a performer, just the interview is like you were saying, is such a big part of a huge the contest. Part. And because in they're America, trying, all the pageants have yeah. interview and Q. A lot of them have Q and A too. You cannot fake an interview yeah. or Q&A. So a lot of the entertainers, they come, a lot of the girls come, you know, when they're looking for jobs, they come with an attitude and they come with a preconceived, something that's not really them, you know, and as producers and casting agents, you see it way before they even finish the sentence, you like, do. What, what they're saying. The people that are truly, how, would, how do you put it, they're truly humane, well put together humans, usually most of, most of the people that come out of the pageant system, the winners, typically have a soul that's very well well uh well you primed if you will. I mean they've been taught and they have they have a heart to them. And then and with and with that heart they're willing to share. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest part about people being selfish. We live in such a selfish, oh, yes. selfish world. And what I try to teach my students who take my class, be selfless. Yes. Because yeah. when you think of just yourself, you're just standing in quicksand. Yeah. But when you're selfless, you can have somebody reach out and pull you out of the quicksand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to see yourself better. But we're only be here better. for a limited time. So limited time, Dan. Make your mark and, uh, you know, there's there's people, and we all know the people that are constantly helping. There's uh, others that don't help anybody. They take. Because that that they take takers. and they don't help anyone and they don't understand because they're threatened by it. Drag was around way before we even were born. So, what you think you might be experiencing or creating has already been created. It's already been done. That's yeah. why when people say, oh, I did half and half. It's like, oh, no, no, you didn't do half and half. It's like, all I can say in my mark, you know, which I, because I always wanted to be creative and I wanted to do something for Mark, it's the finale. Because that's what I learned and grew as seeing Luke Pasioko's show and Luke, seeing the other shows where they had one person take their makeup off. And I'm thinking, one, day, one, 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 per, one day I woke up, I'm like, I want everyone to take their makeup off. I want to, and that's, and that I, was your finale. I you know for that, you still are. I had never never seen that before and that I know when I leave this at least for our generation when I leave this earth I know that in this industry I know in my heart and my soul that I left that mark and that mark I, I mean out of everything I learned and watched and copied from Kenny's show or Frank's show or Lou's Lakaja Co I know that I created that mark that's your mark it is that that's mark and it just I never realized it until we did it the first night and those people were on their, their feet. feet like you can yeah. hit the wall shake yeah yeah so it's just so but yeah but most of everything has already been done. I mean, in a sense, on the whole big planet of drag, it's all kind of been done. It's, we it's, might have made it famous. It's getting recycled. Yeah, it's getting recycled. But it's like, but we, you know, in our generation, there's usually someone that's first to do it. You know, that's when people say, oh, I, I did this, but the half face has been around. I first saw, I mean, besides the half face live performer, as far as how many photographs do we see of a half face now? I mean, we. <laughs> And Hunter was my first model that did half face. God rest oh, his soul. Oh God, yeah, he's very talented. Yeah, Chad Michaels, the drag mother. Yeah, which people, it you is. know, poor Hunter. You know, God rest his soul. Um, but amazing. Oh my God, he was like Cher's height. I mean, most of the Cher drag queens and are. His hands were <laughs> tiny, size what four Full shoe? boy, but he was a small man, and he was amazing as Cher. I mean, Cher was his main character, and he was he taught Chad Michaels Cher. I mean, and Chad's even you know, when even with no uh, makeup on, he yeah, looked like Cher. Yeah, but um, well, I was saying that half face. We did the half face, and I saw that half face in print from from the guy in New York who had the book called Double Take. Double Take. Uh, that had, was uh, Kevin Aquan. 
No, Kevin Kwan had done it. It was before him. He had published a book called Double Take, and he was a makeup artist turned drag queen later. And it'll come to me, I'm sure, later. But yeah, he was. He has several books out. Double Take is one of them. And he did the half face. And he made himself look like Cher. And then later, years later, he, he becomes a very well-known photographer. Then late, years later, he decides he wants to be a drag queen. <laughs> and I, can't, I can't think of his name right now. I think it's he in just, my book. He, he just kept evolving. Right. <laughs> the wheels kept so that, turning. I knew I didn't do it. I saw him do it, and then I wanted to do it. And then now, the half-face photo shoot, everyone does a half-face photo shoot on social media. For sure. (laughs) But the idea, what people don't understand, the whole idea and what's illuminated in Dan's live performance is that it's got to be to the extreme on both sides. It can't be be merged. And still, no one's really done the half-face you know, as it should be done, because most of the time the lines vary. Is it's not it's 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 just slightly blurred. It's got to be day and, 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 and night. Dan, I did way butch dude and way femme girl. I mean, that's the and, half of half. Face. And if you do two women, because I just recently I did Whitney Houston and Dionne Warwick that I got from Tasha Long in, out of Florida, and the dress, the costume, the hair, the makeup, the teeth all have to be different mm-hmm. when you change sides, because you take them into that person. You have to you have, you have to, to. have to be the extreme so they see it, they so they, they can it. read on stage. If you're just but the photos, it's like they don't understand. That's the whole half and half is the is the complete opposite spectrum of both masculinity and femininity, and that's kind of what drags about. So when you see those halves merge, that is, that's how it should be. So if you're planning a photo shoot, <laughs> make sure it's extreme, just extreme butch and case. extreme femme. That's Wait, how it works please. perfectly. So if you see Hunter's shot, which you can see, and then we do it with Ryan Zink. Gosh, when you think it's another performer, I mean Hunter's past, Ryan Zink's past, and just Ryan was Reba down, and that he learned from all you guys. Yeah, I love you. Know, we're all little crazy as batshit, but when he was well, we're on... We're all eccentric yeah, and yeah, cuckoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But I remember you, you turned me on to Ryan. He came out. I he did. was a bar back at 212, right? Uh-huh, he yep, was. And he came to Lake Tahoe. And I always appreciate him. And I mean, I don't expect it as much for people to just say thank you but i mean kenneth blake has always said thank you for what i did for him and same with ryan there's dozens of others don't say anything but <laughs> I, I always appreciate those two because you know that, i appreciate that i appreciate because you know that i gave them opportunity and they gave me opportunity to progress as a producer and i gave them opportunity and they always every time i see kenneth he always recognizes and, and, and you that. still give yeah. an opportunity look at look at when covid before covid this place was the, yeah. the showroom was <laughs> I mean, who's who in Palm Springs? Come on now. <laughs> so you're so. still giving. You're, you're selfless. You've always been selfless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, that's so, so, so. I'll be rewarded in a past life, I assume. So. Right? <laughs> You're still here. Yeah. So we have these classes. So tell me about when do these classes take place? Are they, is there a pageant season that these pageants happen that you promote? Yeah. These? yeah pa- pageants, are, pageants are year round. But since uh, COVID is here, everything has been put oh. on hold. But some of the contestants are getting ready for COVID when it starts to pass a little bit to prep. So I appreciate them while the downtime to learn it because the classes take about three months to learn or more. It depends on how much time I need to work with you because I have to break through because you can not, if you don't mind me saying, bullshit a judge. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. these judges have been handpicked with all these backgrounds. All over the country. All over the country yeah. and the world to judge these contests. And they know if you boo-boo the foo-foo in there. They know. <laughs> they've so, seen it all. they read it all. So I have yeah. to teach them how to be their authentic, transparent, selfless, giving, willing, open, coachless person. Who is your inspiration? Who is the most? Well, give me two because I know it's going to be hard to pick them. So 
Give me two of your most inspirational pageant queens that have inspired you. If I had, if I had to pick two, it would be uh, Tommy Ross out of Houston, ten-time national title holder. She's like, she's like, what? What is? Because I hear that name all the time. I think I met him briefly once. Past? No, and, and he's still he, here. She, she's in Houston. Okay. What is it that you think makes Tommy different besides being drop dead yeah, gorgeous? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for for me, Tommy's sense of style is impeccable on stage, off stage. I mean, impeccable. My main draw to Tommy is how she can captivate an audience without even moving. Then she could just stand there. Her eyes and he's, are. He lives as a woman. Oh, beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Probably. I mean, yeah. beautiful in the best way. And most trans, I mean, that's celebration of the feminine, of, of, and, of women, is and, and, uh, the beautiful and she, trans. And, and she was uh, just rewarded uh, Miss Trans of the Year in Houston, which is a huge honor. She got to meet the mayor, pride, all that. I mean, she's like creme de la creme. Didn't come easy for her to get to what she's gotten, mm-hmm. but she's earned it because she's selfless. Mm-hmm. And her captivation on stage is un. Deniable. She can lay on the floor, Dan. Who does that? So Tommy Ross out of Houston. So who else inspired you on the pageant system? Dan, you know, even though it's not the pageant system, it would be Darcel. I have to give credit where credit is due. One of the first performers, first avenues of of the entertainment. I would not be living Uh, uh. and be successful in the business if she had not taught me the ropes early on when I was a mm-hmm. stay away from drugs, stay away from alcohol. Yeah. I be Dan, I should have been dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have to give Darcel and Tommy Ross the highest praises in my lifetime that I was honored to be their friend, sister, family member. Dan, really, I I owe that to both of them. What do you think uh, when you look back on this whole journey you've taken so far? What do you think is the most important thing you've learned during my journey? The most important thing that I've learned is that. To never underestimate your worth. Dan, your worth in your voice, your worth in how you treat people, your worth in on how you feel on stage. You can't buy that, Dan. That's a priceless worth with no price tag. Your worth goes a long ways. If you project that and interject that, they receive it. Mm-hmm. And how you and and that also creates the the recipe for how you'll be remembered. Dan, and let me tell you, when I'm gone, these workshops and these people I've touched along the way, my voice will still be in them. Mm-hmm. Because I've instilled in them my strength to become their strength to mm-hmm. keep them standing. Mm-hmm. And all you can do to to have that legacy continue is to help other people. It's help us so they can keep. And that's just in life, and that's what's missing. You know, it's missing in, big in time. society. It's, it's missing nobody, big time. Nobody wants to help anyone else. They just nope. want they want nope. to collect nope. everything nope. and keep it to themselves. <laughs> so, someone asked me. Uh, coffee had me on her uh, uh, coffee time in Houston uh, over uh, on Zoom. She asked me what was my what, what gives me. Joy joy. And I, I had to tell her, I said, listen, you may think I'm going to say the stage, but it's not. It's the thought that I, when I'm driving down the street and I see someone with no tennis shoes on and I put over, give up my tennis shoes dead to see that person walking yeah. in a size 10 shoe with a size five yeah. foot, have shoes on in a hundred degree heat, mm-hmm. barefooted. Mm-hmm. And people are just riding by, not even thinking about how they feel. And Dan, I do it to this day. I'm not ashamed of it. I was in the laundromat last week. This young man said, I said, where's your clothes? He said, I'm washing them. He was sitting there in his boxer shorts. <laughs> I said, young man, stay here. Dan, I went home, got some shirts, tennis shoes, socks. <laughs> I brought all that back to him. I said, I don't ever want you to go without a second yeah. pair of clothes. Yeah. 
When you think your, you know, when you think your problems are a lot, you just have to. Dude, look he it was up. like seventeen. He was yeah. a baby, yeah. homeless. All those people in the laundromat walked right past him. But I saw him for who he was. You know, I saw him, and I want people to see. I want people to see when they meet people, so they can see them. Not for the makeup, not for the awards, not for the accolades, not for the prestige, but to see them. For who they really are. Mm-hmm. So people that are aspiring and that might, might might be interested in learning more from you, how can they find you on the social media? Uh, under LaWanda Jackson, my name. You can Google it or fa- on Facebook. I haven't got into Instagram or Twitter. I haven't gotten into that yet. So it's under LaWanda Jackson. It'll say uh, show. It'll say show queen LaWanda Jackson. You'll see me with a crown on. You'll know it's me. <laughs> There's a lot of LaWanda Jackson, but one with a crown. And you're based out of Las Vegas now. I'm based out of Las with Vegas. With all your other entertainer sisters. Yeah. Out yeah, there. Yeah. So. Some of them moved away because of COVID, but a lot we'll, of them. We'll all get through it. We'll be back on stage. Oh God, yes. Soon. So. Yeah. So Dan and I. I really appreciate, I mean, Cody Collins told me, to, everyone told me to tell you hello, but I wanted to thank you personally for never giving up on me too. Oh, yeah. You're my you're my older sister. <laughs> and you guys, Dan, Dan and I cut up something terrible, laughing and kicking yeah, I don't have something to say, terrible. I can look at an entertainer and I don't have to say one thing. I just look at Luanda's eyes and she knows exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> and that is called a connection. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful and yeah, blessed. We've been through a lot and uh, we have. I'm I'm Super grateful you're here. Super grateful you're still with us. Glad you spent the last hour with me. Oh, Dan. No, it was, it was my pleasure. <laughs> Let me dry these tears up. Because they were good tears, but they were tears that needed to be and shared. And the whole reason, you know, I wanted to do this was just have record of people that have had amazing journeys and that can inspire and people can learn from, you know, because there's a lot more things. There's a lot more about drag than just TV. TV and a wig and a pair of pumps and a purse. Yeah, yeah, it's an art form, and we have celebrated it, and, and it needs and, to be celebrated. And you can make a you can make a career out of it. Yeah, you won't get a W. You won't get a uh, with with those Academy with a, Award, an Oscar. You might. Well, you could. Yeah, Shibley would have, and she yeah. stayed alive. Yeah, yeah. Shibley surely yeah. she was yeah. heading that direction. Yeah. So Lady Shibley, she's talking about Lady Shibley. Oh from, my gosh, from Garden uh, of Cl- Good and Evil. Yep, from Clint Eastwood's film. Yep, yep. So I would love to. I would love. That's a whole other tangent, but I'd love to hear the negotiations on that because Clint I know from what I've read and heard that Clint did not want her to play that part and she put her foot down oh she was a foot down person yeah she put her foot down and that entertainer got in that the the garden of good and evil Clint Eastwood directed it and at most directors they see other people playing you know it was a book first right? it was a book it was that a book turned first. into a movie mm-hmm. And that part was her part, and that was her life that they wrote about, and she wanted to be in the movie. And she did not and, want anyone else playing her and but she her. she ended up in that movie, but I know and, it was a battle. In the, in the From movie, what I read, it was a battle. Oh, it was. Yeah. She, she told me. She yeah. told me. We were very close toward the end of her, her yeah. life. And she said that every bit of it was worth it. Every bit of it. There's a lot of people that, in our time, have been so well-known and so aspiring to so many people that the general public doesn't know about. And that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. I mean, Hollywood Line, not a lot of information about that to the new girls, you know, and of course, you know, Lady, Lady Shipley. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not know. I do not know how many people of the new girls know who Lady Shipley is. Probably, yeah. probably not a lot yeah, of them, yeah. but you can always look her up. Yeah, she yeah. was way ahead of her time. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, thank you, dear. You're welcome. Okay, we'll see you soon. I love you. <laughs> love you too. And remember, you all, my restaurant and entertainment venue, Oscars in downtown Palm Springs, where entertainment is on hold currently per COVID restrictions. But we are serving some great food most weekends, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For a lovely meal and a lovely atmosphere, check out my restaurant, Oscars in downtown Palm Springs. We'll see you all there.
Thank you for listening to Icon's Incredible Creation on Stage podcast, hosted by Dan Gore. If you would like to know more about our wonderful host, follow Dan Gore at facebook.com slash lookalikes and at Oscars Downtown Palm Springs. If you enjoyed what you heard, hit subscribe and leave us a review. A new podcast every other week. Until then, have an iconic day.